This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The Great Equalizer, we're on the flip side of the upcoming festive season and we already feel the ache in our bones. Plus, we chat to Ochart author Shana Fife about honest womanhood, saying things people don't like to hear, and of course, the book that has had 2021 buzzing. Hello. Hello. Again, it's been a hot damn minute. <laughs> we seem to be taking these very long sabbaticals these days. <laughs> I don't even feel bad about our long sabbaticals because I no, mean, it's no. enough to just breathe in and out every day and slap on a face of makeup and a smile and get through. And that sounds very depressing, but it's been a tough couple of years. So I give us grace in in these hard times because I think there's still yeah. hard times right I know we're we're double vaxxed baby yay, yay! <laughs> um, and we are seeing each other in person which is great and things are on the app but it's still hard I think the comeback from COVID and 2020 has been rough you know and the time s- stops for no woman so we're on to 2022 right Almost. Are you ready for this festive season? All I know is that the year 2022 is the year that I turn 40. And so the only thing on my mind is my 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 upcoming 40th birthday. Not because I'm planning what to do to celebrate. I'm I'm weighed down by the many things that I have not yet accomplished <laughs> or the places that I'm not at yet in my life which I would have really liked to be at at 40. But hey, (laughs) when life hands you lemons, make lemonade, as they say. (laughs) I feel like that's a large, like a a huge discussion, like a whole series on coming to terms with your life and your accomplishments and your womanhood. You know what the thing is? It's just a bloody number. And Mm. I mean, we'll talk about this when I do have this birthday. But the only thing that I currently think of if you say anything about next year, it's so ridiculous because it's not any personal goals. It's not like, what are we going to tackle next year? And then it's just like, I'm 40. I'm fucking 40. What have I done with my life in 40 years? You know, yeah. which is not a positive way to, to, to look at things, but it is unfortunately where I'm at. So how do you how flip you? that script? No, I don't know. I have no fucking idea. So at the moment, The biggest thing that was weighing on my mind was I'm 40 and in 20 years, I will be 60. No, oh my God. Why do you have to say it like that? 20 years is nothing. The last 20 years of my life have flown by and I am the biggest thing that weighs on me is my health. And I don't know Mm. if it is because in January I had a big off and we've had COVID and that kind of thing. So my health and how unwell I feel most days in my body is what weighs on my mind the most because I can feel I'm getting older, Mm -hmm. even though I feel like I'm still 
not an old person, which I'm not, but I can feel my body being able to cope with less. And that's because I, I haven't looked after my body in the last 10, 15 years as I used to when I was younger. And so that then got me to, you need to get healthier. You need to exercise. You need to eat healthier. You need to live healthier. You need to get more sleep. Mm. You need to do all those things that help get vitamins into your body by way of eating fucking vegetables, you know, <laughs> like, and not this fucking cream, spinach, cinnamon, spice, potato <laughs> shit you buy ready-made and you chuck in the microwave. No, hearty, fresh produce from the green grocer is what you need to get into your body. So that's legit where I'm at. That's what's been happening in my life. We've been <laughs> offline for a couple of months. You, I think you've been doing a lot of work on your physical self, a lot of physical self-care. And I think yeah. I've been doing a lot of mental health care. You know what the thing is, though, for me is I realize that my mental health is suffering as a as a result of my physical health. Yeah. You know what it's like yeah. when you feel like uncomfortable in your own skin, your body is. The thing is also, it makes me depressed to wake up every single day of my life and have aches and pains that I don't know where the fuck they're coming from mm. and what they relate to. And then my mind immediately defaults to, fuck, what if I have another tumor? What if I have cancer? What if I have this? <laughs> And I, could, I cannot, it makes me depressed. I cannot be an agony aunt or feel negative all the time. And I am a big believer in if you don't like something, then change it. Mm. So the only way to change that is to get physically more active and healthier. And as a result, that has changed my mental state. I don't feel depressed anymore. I'm not so depressed about being 40 and having achieved little to nothing in my life, you know, Um so I think that the physical work that I'm doing unexpectedly, well, I suppose expectedly, but has had a bigger mental, positive mental impact on me than what I anticipated. It wasn't the goal that I had set out with initially. It yeah. was just to get a little bit, get a little bit more healthy and a little bit more active. And it has changed a lot for me. And that's just in the last two months, mm. really. So, yeah. Well, kudos to you. And you for that. Oh, fuck. I don't know about kudos. It's just like, yeah. it's literally survival. It's like, what am I going to do to get the fuck out of bed on a day and not feel like I'd rather just hide from the world? A lot of know? people hide from the world. So you need kudos for doing that. It may feel like the barest minimum <gasps> to you, but it's... I'm high-fiving myself, Sam. Yes, you are right. High-five. I'm high-fiving myself. We listened to right. a podcast, St. Charlena podcast the other day by Mel... It was, hmm. oh man, we got it's a link. Maria, it's the Maria something show and yeah. it is Mal Robbins that Mal is the Robbins guest on the Mal Robbins is the show. guest on, on Maria's show and Maria is a, a coach and a, a Maria Folio. Maria Fo Marie, Marie Folio. Oh, Marie Folio, that's it. Good <laughs> heavens, we stumbled through yes. that. My God. <laughs> Marie Folia. And it's one of those, you know, uh, I, I was a bit embarrassed when Ray um, listened to what I was listening to. But it's like, okay, if you're going to do this entrepreneur thing and um, run your own business or, or work for yourself, then, you know, and or follow and your self dreams. Help it's self-help. Yeah. Good for you. And yeah. motivational. And Marie Folia and Mel, Mel who? Gibbons? Mel, Mel, Mel Robbins. Robbins. <laughs> Oh, stumble, stumble, stumble. Mal Robbins, they both do this. and But there was this episode that I was like, Charlene needs to hear this. And it was about how 
women go through their lives without high-fiving themselves, without um, giving themselves grace for just being the individuals they are. We, we put out so much love um, to everybody in our lives, mostly our children, our husbands, our family members and each other, but never to ourselves. And it was, yo, it was a hard-hitting episode. I think we should link our listeners everybody, up to I, I, Honestly, I said to Sam the minute I was done listening, everyone needs to hear this. Yeah. And Sam was like, um, some people might but consider cheese ball, it a bit yeah. cheese ball. But Sam, can I tell you what kind of a cheese ball I am now? I am a person who listens to, what do you call them? Meditative affirmations before I go to bed at night. <laughs> that is who I am. Good. So this is this is but the it, person I It become. makes sense because you're almost 40 and that's what almost 40 year olds do. So we And Red mocks me for it every <laughs> night. When he comes to the bedroom, I've got the headphones on and I'm half asleep because I'm trying to be calm and like listen to my meditation and almost falling asleep halfway through it. He's like, I am a strong woman, he says, like mockingly. And that's literally one of the things it says. <laughs> I'd punch him where it counts. Be like, I told him to fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so this this our first discussion is going to be a little bit more of the same, a little bit more of this catch up. So I think we should we should just get get straight into where into where it. we have been, where we intend on going, and what we're filling our brains with right now before we head into our main discussion or our interview for today, which I'm excited about. Please remember, what we say on this podcast can only be considered the gospel on planets Sam and Charlene, respectively. Our kids and husbands can be assholes and angels at the same time. And only we're allowed to say so. And lastly, by virtue of the fact that we are women and it comes naturally to us, we reserve the right to change our minds and or contradict ourselves whenever we so choose. And we don't want to hear a damn thing about it. Hashtag no judges. So we took some time off. We've had a couple of production breaks this year. And, you know, the A-type in me does feel like we're not consistent and that. But um, as you always remind me, you know, there will be no TGE if there's no more Sam. So I need to be looking after myself and my mental health. And it wasn't that I needed a break from my friend Charlene, least of all that. It was just, it became a lot, right? Yeah, you just had... Been a lot on your plate, too much on your plate, just like in terms of churning out work. And, you know, when you get to that, I think our listeners will be able to relate when you get to that point where you're just like, I don't know what to touch and yeah. what to leave in terms of feeling overwhelmed work-wise. And then something starts to suffer. Something has to, something's got to give. And if we didn't put our foot on the gas and say, okay, we're taking a production break, for as long as we need until we can take a breath and actually uh, commit to getting the quality content out that we are used to and proud of doing. There's no point in just churning out things for the sake of, oh, we need to release an episode because our listeners aren't going to benefit from that. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to want to hear something that we just slap dash together quickly. Mm-hmm. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be real. And it's got to come from a healthy place. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've put out some great content this year and we, we hash it out in an Instagram live that we did a couple of weeks back. So if anybody is wanting a l- more of Sam and Charlene, there is that live. It's sitting on our grid where we have a catch-up discussion. Charlene chats about, you chat about your experience with COVID. 
um, yeah. and how that hits. And I mean, that all happened in our production break. You had that. I wrote the the Dark Motherhood series for Parent Twenty Four, which were, impacted me in such a big way. I think because I was going through that. I was in the throes of just postpartum, and I I speak a lot about things being on a spectrum and being on a scale because I think that the truth of things is you you're not you don't just have postpartum depression or not. You can mm. have a type of or a variant of or have it, you know, you can have just the baby blues that you experience on day three or you can have full-on psychosis where you are in danger of harming yourself or your children. Like it's And everything in between those things and in coming to terms with how I've been behaving or how I've felt over the last year, in amongst all of that, I wrote a series for parents 24 on exactly those things and it's one of those things that you write about when you're going through it and I think that's also why it was impactful not only for me but for a lot of readers um and there are a couple of interviews up on you know on our platform on Iono um in case anybody missed those I came to terms with what generational trauma depression intrusive thoughts Sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation, not feeling good enough as a parent. And so I wrote about all of those things and some of the articles have uh, first-hand accounts from myself And uh, but most of the articles are interviews with other mothers from all demographics across South Africa and uh, along with expert insights. And I think it was healing for me and I think a lot of people think that that's a bit counterintuitive that how can something be healing if you harp on the issue and I'm like what's acknowledgements I think that mothers need Mm. I think it's like a release it's like I'm carrying this heavy weight in my backpack Mm. and I'm opening it up you can you know you don't let go of it but you can put it down for a bit Mm. by airing it out into the open when I hit send on that series, I cried. It was a big deal for me. And um, you were I very s- emotional in the midst of writing it as well, because you very, and I spoke a couple yeah. of times and we did an interview at one point with someone. Um, I think you had already, you had just, you had just pitched it and it was just accepted. And even then you were already it wasn't just about the series. It was also where you were in your life. Yeah. You were at a very vulnerable, emotional place. Yeah. And um, I also, I think once I had filed it, I hadn't, like, I'm not done processing my first year postpartum, but it helped me, ex- I, I, learn to lean on myself, which is coming out wrong, but I I think I expected so much from friends and family and the support system, and I still don't feel like mothers postpartum get the right kind of support that they need. And so I'll continue to talk about it until until people can understand the kind of support that mothers need. You and I always say Mm. that if you're getting support that you didn't ask for, that's not support at all. Mm. Um, And so I will continue to talk about it about the type of support that mothers need in any way, shape or form. But I do feel that I expected a lot less from the people around me who were also limited in the context of COVID and traumas of their own. Um, 
And I started to lean into myself. And it was a, there was a lot of self-enlightenment that, that went on there. And so that's essentially where I'm at when it comes to producing this podcast. I love it. I love you. I love doing this thing with you. And I don't want to let it go. But the weekly grind, and that's I, I want to be honest with our listeners about where we are with TGE, is we can't put out quality, authentic content and be ourselves if we're being forced, if we're forcing ourselves to do it. Yeah, just for the sake of getting an episode out every two weeks. I mean, it happened before we, before COVID, we used to produce an episode uh, and release it every, every week. And then COVID happened and we had to reassess it. And we're like, but what about our listeners? They've come to expect an episode weekly. And then we were like, well, you know what? Every two weeks is not that bad because it gives them more time to to because people did say to us, oh, there's another one. I haven't even finished listening to yeah. the last one. Because let's be honest, we do talk a lot and our episodes are long. It's not like a 40 minute in and out, you know, mm. and we're not changing that because we're not going to shorten our episodes. I don't care who criticizes we're the not, We're not going to stop talking. <laughs> no, this is literally why we're here is yeah. to talk. So, so then we then we had to reassess that and um we've come to another crossroads where we are reassessing and granted uh, like not hearing from us for six months is probably um is probably disappointing if you've enjoyed what we've put out but um yeah we also have to we can't say to you guys look after yourselves your mental health your this or that and then we don't do it yeah so we're we're doing a pervert at the moment (laughs) (laughs) i've watched friends one too many times once again red's literally just started the whole friend season from episode one this last week but we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that i mean that's where we're at we don't know what the consistency is going forward think there are a lot of things in my life professionally that are up in the air and charlene is very patient with me in that as well but we will continue to touch base with one another where there's important things for us to talk about, like today's guest, we will prioritize that. And um, we do have some big projects that we've always wanted to action on and have never had the chance. And maybe now is the chance to do it, but we are going to have to pare down on even two episodes a month. And so you will hear Mm. from us. uh, We will still be active. We are not a dying breed, but we are taking care of ourselves and coming to a, a bit of a new normal, whatever that might look like. So yes. we appreciate our listeners who are along for this ride. The ride. If you are subscribed, though, which we always cover in the end of our episode, you will get notified of a new episode yes. release. So do not fear. If you're not subscribed yet, then please do so, so you can know when we are going to be available to listen to. So before we head into our interview and today's guests, um, what we haven't done in a very long time is spoken about what we're binging on in terms of mm. what we're filling our brain with um, books wise and TV wise. So Charlene, what, what are you filling your brain with at the moment? Good stuff. All the good stuff. Well, I've read only one book in this time that we have been um, on a little bit of a sabbatical we were on a break. <laughs> okay. Here I go with the brain references again. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I've read only one book, and that is the book that we will be discussing today, um, Ochat. And I have not been watching a lot of television. Uh, I've only been watching stuff that's going on in the background, Friends being one of them, by 
Uh, you, I'm sure you couldn't tell by my very many friends' quotes in today's discussion. And um, a new girl. I'm revisiting the whole new girl from start to finish again. And then I just finished the last episode of A Million Little Things. Is there are there new episodes out? I don't know. I don't know. I think it, I don't think it's new. It's, oh, you just um, finished it. You hadn't finished it before because we've spoken about a million little things. Yes, it's the the latest season. Is it season three? I think I've only just finished the latest season. I'm missing out. I'm missing yeah. out. There's new episodes, and I haven't been on top of it. Thank you for that. This is why we have the discussions. <laughs> Great series for anybody looking like for like. Uh, adult drama i suppose like mm. domestic mm. drama um mm. a million little cool. things and not really spoiler nice. alert one of the characters starts her own podcast in this uh season so, <laughs> so this go is have a look. this is one of my binges on apple is a show with octavia spencer i sent you the link and you did not you do did your homework haven't. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. I'm sorry, rude, rude. i got a lot going on you know <laughs> like friends we and were on <laughs> Truth Be Told with Octavia Spencer is amazing. It's about a true crime podcaster. She's a journalist, which I I love. I love relating to journalists. I don't do hard news journalism or like investigative stuff. I do lifestyle journalism. So it's it's always such a treat for me to see the back end of newsrooms where people are doing hard uh, breaking news. Um, And she used to be a journalist. The premise is that then she starts her own podcast because that is the new media, guys. Everybody's listening to podcasts. If you haven't Everybody noticed. subscribes to podcasts and everybody just pays their favorite podcasters a lot of money so that we can do this all day long. That was exactly. a hint, For a the very privilege of listening to <laughs> us. <laughs> so Octavia Spencer plays this podcaster in Truth Be Told and in season two, and, and then she solves a mystery. You know, I won't tell you what the mystery is or how she solves it. And in season two, there's a new mystery with Kate Hudson. Oh, nice. It's a really good okay. show. So I'm going to start today. Then, Listen. Hmm. No, but when you're done, when you finish with your thought here on this uh, binging, I want to just tell our listeners something that we've also done while we were in a break. Oh, yes, but, of course. While we were on a break. So I've also started watching Made. I'm only one episode in. <gasps> Me too. I, I haven't started. I've only watched the trailer, but oh. apparently I need to watch it. So Maid, I'm going to. M-A-I-D uh, is about a mom who... Um, comes out of a domestic abuse situation with her child and it's how she navigates kind of getting on her feet from literally mm. having nothing and no one. Um, I'm only one episode in, so I don't feel like that's a spoiler at all, uh, but it, the, it, the first episode was very emotional and I think that a lot of our listeners can relate. And then also I'm a huge sex education fan. Jemima Kirk from Girls is uh, the prince, the new headmistress in the latest season, season three. And I just really love the sex positivity in this series. It's one of my favorites and I'm just really happy to be enjoying it. That said, I am a bit of a dork. I'm in bed by 8.30 these days with a book. I've uh, got a lot of books to get through on my, and it's uh, this is a problem that I love to have. I've got many books on my TBR, my TB Red pile. And so also stay tuned uh, to our kind of what secondary podcast, TGE's current read. I do, when I do interview authors, I load them on there. 
We have an upcoming sort of book club. I did a buddy read on my personal account and I'm going to organize, you know, sort of a Zoom thing that's called Don't Call Me Mummy, which exceeded my expectations in the best possible way, this book. It's um, the push uh, for the push fans. They will love it. And it really looks into like very grungy dark side of motherhood and is really gripping. So um, if you still want to join us, I think there's a bit of time. We are going to be aiming for middle of November to have kind of a book club discussion on it. So there is that, but it will so be loaded. So I can still get in on this. Yes. I can still get in on this. Okay, because I'm having serious FOMO over here. Do it, do it, do it, do it. The book is, if you on Kindle, the book is 100 uh, Rand as far as I, I can remember. And it, it is, it's just like a really great page turner. So I've been reading that and, um, yeah, frequently discuss some of the other stuff that I read on, on my personal page. I won't bore anybody with that, but I'm very excited to be, because I had a huge reading drought when I first became a mom. It was near impossible for me to get through any book and difficult because I enjoyed reading, but I would pick up a book and be like, I'm not enjoying this. And so this year has been kind of a turning point for me. So I'm happy to be doing that and to, yeah, keep an eye on TGE's current read and then on my book discussions that I, you know, indulge in every now and then on my, my personal Instagram page. So that's what I'm filling my brain with. We've actually had such nice discussions with other parties or other people. Um, just to your point of the the sex education uh, series that you enjoy following, we, yes. I mean, we, our um, recent episode before this one that was released on our from main podcast was our our sex uh, episode, our annual sex episode, and um, we were. Uh, invited to speak on uh, talking to your children about sex on the parent 24 podcast. Yes. And we were, we were also invited on as uh, guests on good hope FM yes. uh, recently uh, to talk on the same topic. So if you're interested in hearing what that, what we said had to say there, uh, we'll, we'll hook you up with those those links and and things stay tuned to our website all of the links for our most recent media appearances will be live and um any other kind of reviews and quickies and interviews will go up so we are busy even busy, if you don't yeah. hear about us every day we're really busy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today's guest there's really no easy way uh to get into to segue into the charlene other than it's an it's another book um, that came about. It's a book that we'll be reviewing in this interview and chatting with the author. And it's, it's something that, speaking about filling your brain, it's something that every South African should no doubt be filling their brain with. Stay tuned for, for this interview. Our guest today is TGE friend for life, Ms. Shana Fife. Shana is a writer, blogger, and female rights enthusiast who lives in the heart of the Cape Flats. And on that note, Ms. Thang here wrote a book about all of the above, capturing her life thus far in her memoir, Ochat. We are so pleased to have her back on the show. Welcome, Shana. Thank you. I'm very excited to be back. It's been a while. Oh, man. Um, we had, so for the listeners who don't know, we had Shana on when we uh, did our WAP episode and it was so incredibly insightful <laughs> when, you, when you were on and we didn't realize. I mean, last year, this time, we were none the fucking wiser 
Hey, Charlene, I didn't know this chick was writing a book. Exactly. It was, it's quite serendipitous, actually, because our episode was about sex and your body and your sexual freedom and, and, and all of those things. abuse mentality and rape culture yes. and, and things like yes. that and prepping our children for that. So, And Shana, when you sent me your bio last year this time, it, yeah. you spoke about, uh, you said, Shana's work, especially her writing, revolves around the negative experiences she has had and witnessed in abusive relationships, the challenges mm. and joys of being a young single mother, and finding a way to tackle her mental health pitfalls while upholding the facade, as do we all, of being a fully functional human. <laughs> um, and then you continuing in your work in the empowerment of women of all demographics. And then we heard the news. The, the, the penny dropped and it was like a book is coming out. And we're like, of course a book is coming out. Coming out. And I mean, I, I, I for the moment, at, or at that point, just thought, okay, well, this is obviously relating to her blog. And that, that kind of stuff. And I was just like, and I, I mean, the stuff you write, it's so, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's really entertaining. <laughs> I mean, I know this is your life. I know this is your life and your traumatic experiences, but you cannot make this stuff up it is, and you write so well, but let me not, I digress. Carry on, Sam. <laughs> well, on that, on that, this is in the very beginning of the book. Now I'm going to um, kind of pull the cart before the horse because I want Shana to, to talk to us very briefly about what the book is about for 2% of South Africans who have not read it. Um, and on that, just that you, you can't make the shit up, you said, Charlene, but also how entertaining it is. Here is just an example. Where Shane, and this is, I've got, I mean, these are the notes of my notes. I've got stickies <laughs> and notes on my phone and screenshots that I've taken while reading the book. Like I take photos of paragraph, literally on every page. I'm like, yes. That is a nugget. Yes. I was just saying to Shana uh, before we started talking, like this epilogue of this book is just, it will go down in my history as the, the most, anyways, we're going to get stuck into this. I do want to read this out though, um, Shana, to, to speak in your words. We're talking about, I, I labeled it faux feminism of how, oh, we've come so far as women, right? We're in the fourth wave of feminism. We're realizing that, White feminism is a bit bullshit, not a bit bullshit, is, is largely bullshit because of how exclusionary it is. And um, so you're talking about that. You're talking about how far we've come since the 1950s, right? And you say, get that education, girl, have that corporate career, but remember to be home before your husband gets there so that you can feed him, bath the kids and sex him because he is a good man who helps you. How often on the show do we say, Charlene? Um, you know, I love my husband. He's such a good dad, but <laughs> okay, let me carry on. Uh, he helps you with chores that should actually be split equally because, you know, he lives there too. Make your feelings known, but don't complain or get flustered. You look pretty when you smile. Thank God we have progressed from that 1950s way of thinking. Life as a woman is so much simpler now. Also, Men are openly murdering us at an exponential rate. So there's that. <laughs> and then you speak about, hey, you might just get cancelled for this shit and you, you're prepared for it, right? Yeah, I think I've you must. have been ready to be cancelled since 2019. I've just been waiting. <laughs> 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 hasn't happened yet. But it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. 
<laughs> and I don't think it will. I think you are predicting incorrectly because I think you have hit with a lot of what you say. You've hit the money on the head. Uh, the head. You say that? Am I mixing metaphors here? You've hit the, a little bit, but the, I get it. You've hit the money and you've hit the yeah. nail on the head. Yeah, you're right. Same thing, honestly. You're, you're right on the money and you've hit the nail on the head. So let's mix it. Like the Afrikaans are my Shana, I have, like I say, pulled the cart before the horse. For the South Africans who are living under a rock, um, who don't read, like, <laughs> like you and Charlene. <laughs> so they say like me. <laughs> um, for those who have not read your book or haven't heard anything about it, what very briefly is it about? Because we're going to chat more about what it's about. But wh- how would you sum it up? So it's my, it's my life story. Uh, I like to think of it as my origin story because it's no longer my life, right? But it's, it's very much... It's two things. It's my life story from when I was a young child to, I want to say, I hate the word awakening and woke and all of those things. But before I woke up and realized that the things that were happening to me were both out of my control and in my control. But it's also largely everything I think was occurring in the colored community specifically between the 80s and the 2000s. Um, I know that it is it is that the female um, what's the word the female narrative or the female experience there are a lot of intersections but I only speak from a colored perspective because that's all I know right that's all I can I can fully vouch for and I and not not necessarily the full colored perspective because the colored experience is vast but particularly the Cape colored female experience that myself and a lot of women I know my friends family encountered but didn't have words for mm. and you had those words and it all it all started with um your blog i think i mm. suppose also to interject there didn't have words for but also didn't have the freedom to mm. express those words if and even if they did have the words very much so um speaking out is seen as unladylike seen mm. as troublemaking regardless of you the victim or not so um yeah and and i feel i also didn't have it's not even you can speak out but the consequences outweigh yes um, the the reward know? for for speaking your truth exactly that exactly that but i mean it's sometimes it's still not worth it i, I don't i like some a lot of women approach me in before my book came out even about my blog and say they want to start a blog about their life things that they've experienced and 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 things and i always say Always speak your truth, one hundred percent. But it isn't without consequence because not everybody has reached the point. Particularly, it might even be people in your life that matter to you. Mm. If you are, you must be willing to lose these people if you want to um, go forth and do that. And it's not always that easy. Sometimes you know you're not ready to lose the people to speak mm. your truth. So this this speaks into what I wanted to ask next, and that's. Um, People, people, lots of people have said that you're brave for doing what you've done, for starting your blog, which you, I would say that the genesis is there. You're going to detail in the book of how you got to the point of, I just started writing. Um, so I don't want to take that from readers who need to get to that point in your, in your life journey. But um, there is a, there is, I do want to, I don't want to detract, there is an amount of bravery, but in my work as a writer and in what I do, and 
even with this podcast, a lot of people say to Charlene and myself, oh, you guys are so brave for speaking out. But uh, for me, it's different in that I'm actually coming into my own and as you mentioned, speaking my truth. And as opposed to feeling brave, I don't feel brave at all. I do feel empowered. Do you, do you feel the same? Do you feel, oh, you know, I'm going to put on my brave panties now and I'm a big girl and I'm going to just take this on the chin um, because this book is all you. I wouldn't say it's self-deprecating per se, but it is so raw and honest and accepts you in your entirety, which includes all of your flaws. You mention in the book, I was a trash bag raised by a trash bag world. I think it's about time that we all have this realization that we're not, not all of us are infallible, you know, well, nobody is infallible. I don't feel, brave didn't necessarily cross my mind. I can understand how people with self-respect would think it was brave to just tell everybody. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> to just tell everybody their business. But legitimately, because I felt so, I didn't think anybody cared about me. I didn't care about myself. So it wasn't a brave step, essentially. You know what I mean? I guess, I guess as my life got better, it became braver to still mm. keep talking about it because I do believe there were, that I got to a point where I no longer had to. It was just, it's fine. You've gotten through it. Let it go. A lot of people tell you to let things go because, you know, they're ready for you to let it go. But no, bravery wasn't. I do feel like I'm coming into my own though. And I like speaking about things. I want it to be easy for the next awkward little, not little girl. Well, little girl, yes, but awkward, almost a woman to be able to ask questions and say what she feels because you get shamed. You get mm. like really embarrassed. if some, Even if other people want to know the answer, they still shame you because they think they have to shame you so that they look like they didn't want that answer. Like it's yeah. a very complicated thing, you know. But yeah, not bravery. I think I just stopped getting. And that's also what I wanted to say is it shows how much you can gain when you think that you or when you realize you have nothing to lose. Because I think a lot of us mm. hold on to our reputations or our social standing or what yeah, people perceive what, of us. What would people say or what would people think? Fuck yeah. the people. <laughs> yeah, fuck Who the people. Fuck all these people. <laughs> we are the people. <laughs> Enough. Exactly that. I don't understand why we why we all fall into certain traditions and things that we do. When no one likes it, why do we keep it up when nobody wants to do it? That's it's weird. bizarre. It's very bizarre. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you you speak so much truth. And I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, fuck the people. But my husband constantly has to remind me of why do you care? Why do you actually care? People are going to hate, man. Like, you know, Always. Just, no matter what. There's always somebody... We- why we, yeah, why are we conditioned to or programmed to care so much about, about society and people's opinions? I don't even know. I think it's mostly women, though. I'm not mm. saying that men don't have things they need to care about, but we do need to care about way more. Our uh, appearance, our the, the, every word I speak, if I swear, then what does oh, it say about me as a mother? Tell a me about it. Like you kiss your children with that mouth. With that mouth, you know, but your husband can say anything or men can say anything. Like a lot of women message me and I respect them fully, but like, it's for me. I don't know what to say when someone says, I love your work and I want to share it with my church members or my, my older aunties or whatever, but you, you, you have bad language. <laughs> We've been allowing men to like kill us. You're telling me they can't stand the word pussy in a book. I don't, I don't know what you want from me. Like it's really you know, strange how we weigh things. 
You know what I also find, not to get into a big debate about religion here, but I was I was raised Christian. And for me, the big thing is, and I tell everybody, I swear in front of my children, I have you can hate <laughs> so, on me, you can think I'm a shit parent, I don't care. I don't want my kids to go out into society and judge people who swear, firstly. Yeah. I don't want them to look at those people and like, oh my God, that person's <laughs> going to hell, firstly. I want them to know that it takes all kinds to make a world. Mm. Secondly, I don't want them to be inhibited to express themselves. And I, you can't, I was taught that God sees everything. He's all knowing. Okay. So do you think he doesn't hear me say fuck, whether I say (laughs) it out loud or whether I think it, whether I think it in my mind, Mm. fuck that hurts or fuck. Oh, that's irritating. Do you, I don't understand how we can be so delusional. It's no, also just- or going back to the the WAP episode um, when you're in bed with your husband. Does God not hear you use those words? <laughs> exactly. In context of sex, he's there. He's all knowing, ain't he? And, oh, and God's talks- not watching me have sex. That's a whole other <laughs> thing I need to deal with. No, no schedule that therapy Maybe he session, checks Shana. out. Maybe he checks out and gives you some privacy when <laughs> oh, so it's going down. Speaking <laughs> speaking about that web episode, there's something that you said that you touched on here, and that's um, you want our young women, so little girls, but also our young women coming of age now to speak about these things and to to ask the questions. And you mentioned um, in the web episode how. You're not not until you're married or not until you've, you know, until this point are you supposed to have sex or talk about it or to own your sexuality in any way. And then actually it's your husband in his right who owns your sexuality, da-da-da. And so you're kind of kept quiet in in until you become a married woman and you're allowed to talk about these things. But you mention your quotes that, that we love so much. And then suddenly you're a grown-up and everyone is fucking and you're like – did we miss a page here, you know? Yep. And I'll never forget that that quote because it's exactly that. Like we were all doing it behind closed doors. Best we actually just start talking about the shit because yeah. otherwise we miss that step and we're making our – we're forcing our young women to also miss a very crucial step in owning their own sexuality. And I have a firm belief that – Owning your own sexuality from very young sets you in good stead to not um, fall into patterns of abuse of any sort. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I think so. Sex has always been shrouded in shame for everyone, but mostly for, for women and young girls. Um, like it's a massive conversation. Like I don't understand why we don't teach the idea of sex for pleasure. Obviously not to young children, but when, when kids get to a certain age, like girls, for example, it should be part of the syllabus. I know not everybody agrees with me, but as a 32-year-old <laughs> woman, I still have issues with sex for pleasure because in my mind, in the back of my mind, there is still guilt or still mm. this thing that says, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be enjoying this this much. Stop. Mm. You know, it, it's sort of a mental block. If somebody had told me as a 16-year-old girl, it is okay to take care of your sexual health and get contraceptives and uh, be be sexually um, responsible without the shame. I was going to say, yes, responsible, yes. Teaching sex for pleasure and sex as a normal part of your life Mm. leads to responsible young women. Like, 
I want to be able to go to the clinic without the sister asking me, oh, are you already having sex? Does your mother know? You know, like, well, how does that help anyone? <laughs> how does that help when I, I'm here for my injection, I'm here for my contraception, I'm trying to be responsible, but you are shaming me. Even from, from a very young age, sex is a, everybody, I, it's one of those things again where we all dislike the rule. Why are we pretending? Because mm-hmm. everybody has sex, everybody has sexual feelings from very young. At different ages, but from very young. When you were teen, these things start happening. We all know puberty, all of these things. How can we fully shroud something and then expect when they become wives, which I believe shouldn't just be when we can be sexually open, right? But marriage and my thoughts on that is a whole other thing. But like, <laughs> you you tell me not to develop that side of my personality and my being. And then I must, when I get married, I'm expected to be this completely comfortable sexual person with my husband. Mm. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. But I also think there'd be a lot less... That's fine. I could go. I could go on about this all day. Well, let I me could go on and on and on. Let me touch on that. And that you've mentioned earlier that you speak from a cape-colored context, and mm. I, as a white woman from Johannesburg, initially from Pretoria, Charlene's the same. Um, also, feel a bit like of an intruder talking about other people's lived experiences. However, um. It's for me reading your book was never, oh, is that how it works there? You know, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There was, there was some lingo that I was like, oh, that's what that means. Okay, cool. But in terms of the social contract constructs, and I think there's a lot of synergy with Afrikaans conservatism and a Christian mindset, which is how Charlene and I grew up. And I mean, in the book, you talk about goings on at family gatherings, which as um, white Afrikaans women, you don't talk about uh, because that things, those things shouldn't be spoken about and belong within the family. You don't air your yeah. dirty laundry, you know. So when you speak about that, I'm I'm there. I'm at those family gatherings. There was a, a cousin or an auntie and an uncle that got into a row and then <laughs> he's, he's very funny about how, um, you know, then – it, the uncle was welcomed back into the fold with, um, you know, <laughs> arms wide open, the, the auntie legs wide open and everything's open except for everybody's minds. That's a, <laughs> I am there. I'm back in my childhood kissing. You walk in and everybody's kind of sitting in a circle or around the table and you walk into the gathering and you have to kiss every single on the lips, every auntie, every uncle, every granny, every grandpa, Charlene, you nodding, you too. No choice. You have no choice. You, you have, have no to kiss choice. them on the lips. 100%. Hello? And then if you don't, you're like, did and then you get these uncles with like slobbering oh. kisses all over you, a smell of alcohol, some mm-hmm. cigarette yeah. smoke. It's No, it's such an invasion of your body. Later on down the line, you have to put up uh, with inane comments from said drunk uncle. Like the drunk uncle motif is there for a reason mm. because it is so real for so many of us. I had an uncle of an uncle, not not a direct uncle, but a family member mm. who um, made me kiss him twice if I was too, too flat-lipped when Ew. I kissed him the first time. So, nice. so he's a gross uncle. That's, that's <laughs> fucking fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> he's a gross uncle. And I, I think we as South African women, I'm not sure whether it's like this in the rest of the world, but I do notice that we don't recognize that as, for lack of a better word, grooming or mm. on the scale of abuse, on the scale of ignoring consent. Um, mm. As I said, we 
in in this culture, in South African culture, or in our Afrikaans culture, which has a lot of synergy with the Cape Colored culture, from what I read of your book, um, taking the shit on the chin and not speaking about it, and oh, you know how our uncle so and so is, he's harmless, you know. There's a lot of spiritual bypassing. There's a lot of toxic positivity, mm. all in the name of Obed, we're family. I think we we learn to protect uncles. Mm. I think a lot of a lot of of our culture. Um, I mean, just as South Africans, or just as women, we we are taught to protect the men in the family. Like you, I don't. I think we knew that there was something wrong with it. I, perhaps our generation, but our mothers also knew there was something wrong with it. But they knew what happens to women that go against the men of the family, and it wasn't mm. worth being ostracized. Remember before. And this is loose history. Women couldn't work. We could be nothing and do nothing and gain nothing without men in our lives. Like the men owned the family. It's still very much that way. People still ask me if my husband allows me to do things. And then I ask them if they just. But like women, <laughs> yeah. people, like, what do you mean? <laughs> but like, imagine a five-year-old you back then of saying, I don't like when this uncle kisses me. The embarrassment that would like, move through your mother and the family yes. and especially if you said it in front have, of the uncle then they'd have to deal with it and what does that mean does mm. the uncle go to jail is it why are you why are you so everything ended up with don't make a scene why mm. are you going on mm. yeah and what is, it only taught us that we don't have ownership of our bodies mm. i had it, to kiss everyone mm. i had to which meant I, and then i didn't care you know who kissed me later i know it sounds ridiculous but it's a real thing you sort of think oh, it's fine let me just get through this you know, it, that's the thing. You start ignoring that feeling inside of you because <clears throat> I also, excuse me, I also noticed that um, when we have family gatherings now, thank God, and I never thought I'd say this for COVID, because yeah. people are much less open to, to that kind of interaction. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have an excuse, you know, not a, a less um, offensive excuse um, or accusatory excuse, if yeah. I can put it that way. But... <laughs> I have noticed that it, it, it must be so confusing for little children because you're teaching my body, my rules. Whenever you're uncomfortable, you talk about it, you decide. Um, even some aunts grab you and like want to grab the kids and give them a kiss or a hug yeah. or tickle them in their belly or in their side. And I can visibly see my daughter recoiling because she doesn't want this person touching her. It is not sexual. It is not related to anything. It's just a boundary. She's yeah. not comfortable yet. She'll ease up. She'll get comfortable with you, auntie. But I can't be teaching her your body, your rules, your boundaries matter. If people touch you, then in certain instances, it applies. But other instances, it don't. Yes. Because only when it's a man does it apply. That, that's just, it's naive and ridiculous. Yeah. So, we teach them not to uh, um, not to offend the um, violators. It's a weird yes. concept. It is. It, it doesn't make sense to me. So, and I have to be so aware of it because I feel uncomfortable in that situation because I don't want to be accusing you, auntie or uncle of, of like violating my child because I know mm. essentially, I know that's not what you're doing, but I need to explain to you the concept that I'm trying to instill in my child because it starts with, with something innocent and small like this. Absolutely. It's a very mm. difficult position to be in, but we're going to have to just sit and push through the discomfort. But I think that is the labor of our generation is that we, I mean, we saw it uh, most recently with Black Lives Matter in trying to explain to people the concept of Black Lives Matter. And then you have sort of the boomer community going, all lives matter, 
all <laughs> lives matter. And you're like, stop getting angry. This mm. is, understand the, the theory behind it. And I have to do the same with regard to consent where, mm. um, you know, I had my parents to, to speak out of, out of my home, which goes against my grain because uh, you, you can't air your dirty laundry. But said uncle who made me kiss him twice is also a racist. And mm. I, I said to my parents, I, we will gladly see him if you host him at your home. I'm not having him in my, in, in my home. Mm. And um, he can meet my child, which was the, the basis of the, the gathering. The decision. But, yeah. yeah, the decision to, to see one another, but understand he doesn't have a right to my, to my child. And he, he didn't do anything sexual towards me other than making him make me kiss him twice, you know. And in that, my mom got so angry at the time. And on the phone, she said, what is your problem? Now, tell me now, did he rape you? And I was so taken mm. aback. I'm like, why would you say that? Because mm. you're being ridiculous. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually not. This is, this is it for me. Uh, yes, he did make me feel uncomfortable for these reasons. And there was nothing. And it's so hard to navigate those family dynamics. And even with my dad, where he would be tickling Elijah, um, and I can see Elijah feeling, you know, uncomfortable. And I've had to sit my dad down and be like, he said, no, did you hear that? And he's like, how, you know, he gets offended because, you know, what are you saying? What are you saying that I'm doing to him? And I'm, it, it's going back down to that um, basis of understand where your consent comes from. And, and that's what I wanted to chat with with you guys about, Shana. Um, would you, you have been on the, both extremes of what I like to call the abuse scale. And I don't think any abuse is acceptable, obviously, but I think it's that. In my mind, if I can prevent my kids from being comfortable with this side of abuse, then they won't fall into this side of abuse. How do you feel about that abuse being being on a scale like that? Absolutely. I think a lot of the ways we raise children is abuse. And I do, I do touch on this in... Um, in the book, mm, yes. especially because I'm passionate about this particular subject. So anything that violates your child's autonomy, in my opinion, is abuse. If you do it on purpose, the parents will make mistakes. I mess up being a mother 90% of the day because I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't have great examples. I'm not saying that my parents are not great examples. The whole, the whole thing, all the parents that raised my generation, mm-hmm. like a lot of them sucked. Right. They didn't allow us to have opinions. They they didn't allow us to have our own personal style. All of that is abuse of a person. It is a very small scale and it's seen as discipline and us being respectful to to silence someone for no reason except that they are younger than you is a weird thing. That's abuse to silence somebody because they are a woman to silence somebody because of anything. Mm. I teach my children. It's like it's like when I say because I got hidings. For example, that wasn't seen as abuse. I was being hit for corrective behavior. Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's still acceptable, right? I was also raised very Christian. So it's in the Bible. That was just what happens. I promise you it affected me when I moved to the other side of the scale and I was in a relationship with somebody who was very much like my mother used to be when I was a child, completely taking out the context of the relationship, right? I let somebody hit me and because I felt like I was being reprimanded and I felt that that was okay because that is how it goes. So now what what do I teach my children? 
you come first. You are the most important person in your life. I'm not teaching them selfishness by, by any means, but it is important that they protect themselves first, even from me. If you feel uncomfortable, if you feel I am violating you, disrespecting you, you are allowed to stop me at any point and we can discuss it and reevaluate the situation. Of course, that becomes tricky because my son was... Say, how's, how's disciplining going in your house? Because mm, I also battle. It's exhausting, hey? It's an exhausting undertaking when you want to yep. open their mind to that kind of <laughs> part of, of life. But because I get it, but like, it's difficult. And then I have to battle myself and realize that I'm also learning. So Sydney will ask me, but I don't want to wash my hair and it's my body. And then I think, oh God. <laughs> what have I done? Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> At what point do I grab you and throw you in the shower and say, wash your hair? Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, at what point is it abuse? So I don't have it all figured out. But I do mm. know that the, but the big things, you know, the very, very big things I know how to deal with. The intricacies you'll have to figure out in your own home. Mm. Even Syria, mom, I would like noodles for breakfast. This was this morning. I said, no, there's porridge, there's yogurt. These are healthy, these healthy things. And she will honest to God tell me, but it's my body, my rules. I want this. But you can't have noodles. <laughs> why can't I have noodles? And then I'm stuck in a conversation for 15 minutes about why she can't have noodles. And it is her body. It's a lot. That's and a then lot. I'll say, but I'm your mother. And then she'll say, but why does it matter? You don't own me. Because I always tell them I don't own them. And then I, I sort of want to just become my mother mm. and just burn shit down. Yes. Like, yeah. I can't. I kind of get, get why we got those beatings. Like Josh just is back. Shut up. You know? Josh, Josh is back chatting me so much of late. And I keep, I keep, and it's hard, it's hard not to shut him down and say, enough, quiet, shut up. I don't want to hear yeah. it anymore, you know? And then the back chatting comes and the back chatting comes. I said to him, I want to tell you a story. You know, when I was a little bit older than what you are now, I kept back chatting my mother and she got so angry at me that she swung at me and she slapped me through the face and her ring cut my lip and my mouth bled. I was very, very hurt and offended at the time. But I'm telling you now, my Joshua, I can understand why she did it. (laughs) (laughs) And he looked looked at me and he just started bawling. And I was like, I didn't say I was going to hit you. I'm just telling you that this is the emotion it evokes in me. Fully understand. Sorry for laughing, but yeah, I we can all relate to that. It's true. It's funny. (laughs) It's a funny story. No, it's legit. I sometimes think I'm too soft of a parent, but I'd rather be too soft than too hard. I still discipline their rules in my house. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful my children follow rules. They understand it. I like that they question it. But when you're the one they're questioning, it is an ego thing. It's that's definitely hard, yeah. like, because I pay the balls here. Just no. listen to what I'm saying to you. Then, but you can't. You can't but isn't, isn't it a, right. a respect thing? And that's what I'm, how I'm trying to look at it is I, I do the same with Elijah and it's very difficult not to fall into the same traps or, or yeah. um, behavior that worked for our parents in, in disciplining. And I battle also with my husband who falls into the way he was disciplined often. But what I do try to drive home is I'm a person, I'm a human being. And I, yes. especially when I'm soloing it and I'm managing both kids by myself, I look at Elijah and I go, how many hands do I have? Two. How many p- people is, how, how many people do you see in front of you? One. I said, I'm one person and you're overwhelming me and I feel like I want to cry. And that mm. seems to sometimes snap him out of it. Mm. Um, 
So I don't know if that helps you guys or any of our listeners, but I, I do feel that I, I want to bring it back to the book and to how it started with um, with you and motherhood. And because I don't, I do, we did diverge a bit, but um, I think it is all really relatable to our, how we experienced abuse as children and how we take that into our relationships going forward and into our parenting. And I, I think a lot of parenting is realizing and coming to terms with how you grew up. It's so easy to ignore that and it's so easy to carry on with your life until you see your children and how they they are being brought up and you realize what you don't want to them to go through, especially if it was a, a type of abuse. I just want to interject here quickly and also say, I mean, we're just for our listeners, we're saying these things about how we grew up, how we grew up. We also have to bear in mind that those people that raise us raised us were also raised in a certain way. Yeah. And Sam likes Sam likes to to you to often say the quote of when you know better, you do better, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's that's where I take, I feel like I have a huge sense of responsibility that I I need to try and do better because I have more knowledge of, you know, my body, my rules and, mm. and how to try and teach that to my children. And if I don't know all the answers, I need to try and empower myself to get some more answers because it's the only way we're going to change this and go in a different trajectory. Mm. Our whole generation Absolutely. has, has a new, as you mentioned, China, wokeness also irritates me, but we do have a new found sense of yeah. wokeness and enlightenment and I'm grateful Absolutely. for it, but it's a little bit of a burden sometimes that I feel I need to bear as a mother. And I, and I see yeah. it in all of my contemporaries and the both of you and in any mother I talk to, okay, we're not doing this anymore, but we, you know, this is what we must do. And that's what we, we talk about all the time on the show. Shana, mm-hmm. I asked you to, to map out um an extract do you have your yes. do you have your book on hand this this was the page 90 um this was the start of your journey into this thing we call motherhood yes. um and i didn't want anybody else to read it least of all me if you can if you can start it's the start of chapter 7 and i love the puns that you use you've named this chapter the end of my Life, L Y F, or life. <laughs> yeah. End of life. My life. Is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was fat since this moment forward. Uh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> my head hung heavy in October 2010. I was three months shy of my 21st birthday, and I had committed the one unforgivable act for a colored girl from the Cape Flats. I sat in the toilet, staring at the pregnancy test, mostly confused by how I had fallen so far down the social ladder so quickly. The sex I had been having wasn't even worth the trouble I was in. But the two lines that were almost glowing in one of the darkest moments of my life were there and they weren't fading. I kept staring at them, though I don't know what I was hoping would happen. I was just too scared to look away. I do remember that it was a Sunday and that I was getting ready to go to church. If this were a text, I would type LOL. My entire life could be summed up by just fucking typing LOL. At this point, I had graduated college with poor results. I started working at the call center instead of pursuing any of my actual life goals. And I was dating a boy I didn't even like because his bossy, obnoxious sister was my only work friend. And for good measure, to really give my mother that heart attack, he was Muslim. I was a Catholic colored 20-year-old who was pregnant by a 19-year-old Muslim call center worker that I didn't like. I was for all intents and purposes burning my puss. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) Charlene, (laughs) 
times, Sam, how many times did you either like break down into tears or so mean laugh uncontrollably that people in the house are like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> Jesse, for days while I was reading this book, and I remember this part in particular. Uh, the tears were streaming <laughs> down my face. I'd call right over. I'd be like, I have to read you this yeah. part. Come here, this part. <laughs> and then Jesse would just walk around the house. Mommy's new book's really funny. <laughs> Mommy's, new, Mommy's new book's really sad. Mommy's new book's Shame really that. funny. <laughs> And it is. It's all those things. And it's, I think it's because it's so you, Shana. I, oh, I felt so privileged to have known you prior to, to reading yes, your book. Yes, me too. So that I could read it in your voice. It, and then that's exactly it. It's this, um, this oh, honest to God, like just rawness of you. And it's, it's so funny and accessible and real. Um, and I want to bring it down from from that funny high, if I if I may, mm-hmm. because this is something that made me cry. Alternatively, the beginning of chapter eleven, which is round two, you were pregnant with Syria, Syria. by mm-hmm. your abuser Lyle. Yes, and I have just come out of this year's been very much a year about postpartum period because. It it was the first year after birthing my second child and dealing with all of your demons in light of that. So this is something that made me cry. And that's um, when you were pregnant with Syria Rose, you came close to suicide. You say in your book, I toyed with the idea of suffocating Sydney and then poisoning myself. <laughs> and the problem was that it wasn't the 1800s and poison wasn't exactly readily available. <laughs> the risk for injury that came with drinking something as plebeian as bleach was too high. So again, you bring in your humor, but it's so like <laughs> I, going going to through that thought process. I'm like, that makes sense. If you're having a really dark moment, the reality the reality of okay, but it's not going to be that easy. So fuck it, I'm not going to do it today. It's okay. That's exactly what I always thought. It's like, what if I fail at this as well? As well. <laughs> So much that just wasn't worth it. So there's actually a part that was that was in that chapter that I removed um, afterwards about this. There was I remember one day reading this article about this mom who had four kids who all came out with a particular a particular handicap. I call it's a, it's a G. It was something about her family bloodline. And it's a gamble, like not everybody would get it, but all four of her children who were a couple of years apart came out of this particular um, disability. And one, like she, she, she dealt, she, she handled, you know, being a mom, a single mom to four kids who had, who had special needs for about 10 years, which is a difficult thing. Having, having children who do not have special needs is difficult. Having children who do have special needs is difficult. And one day I, I remember reading that she was found and she had killed all of her children and killed herself, but she'd failed at killing herself. And the debate in the comments was she's evil, she's disgusting, who could hurt her kids, who could do all mm. of these things. And all I felt for this woman, just regardless of whatever the, 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 the specifics of the case were, is I fully understand, ma'am. Yeah, mm. I am. And please don't get differently able people, able people, all of us are equally worthy. But I can understand the plight of a mom who's alone 
mm. who need and and the, the the extra medical costs and just energy expenditure of being awake and available 24/7 for children who are differently abled where i was and part of part of what i wrote was one of the rewarding parts of parenting no matter how bad the struggle is is that one day your children will be self sufficient and you will be free from parenting this was not the reality for her mm. and all i remember is just feeling such devastating sadness and understanding for this woman and the fact that she she tried to kill herself and still failed now she but she and people are saying she must go to prison and to me she was in prison the whole time mm, mentally mm. she was in a prison whether she survived this or no matter where she is she's going to prison and it's no, it's no change for her being a parent and be and having to deal with certain things can be devastating you know mm. so my empathy postnatal depression on its own is a devastating thing but even like just parenting you can lose your whole mind Mm. Even the slightest inconvenience now for me as a parent can sometimes spiral me into just fucking so, yes. panic. And, yes. it, and afterwards, true. afterwards I can look back and think that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're dramatic, bitch. But like, it just <laughs> having, no out, having no having no. It's that final you get, Yeah, and I saw I saw someone that I went to I went to school with yesterday posted she went miss not missing she was offline for a while she had babies and whatever and i wondered where she went because i follow her you know like that stuff sometimes and and her kids are quite young and she posted yesterday hi um i'm back i just want to say that i am going through postnatal depression but i'm on the other side i'm exercising again i'm eating healthy i'm not happy but i'm i'm working towards and for me 10 years ago women wouldn't say stuff like that and it mm-hmm. was so amazing it's so wonderful that now you can be depressed as a mom and still be fine about it and tell people and we're not going to judge you because being a mother you it's wonderful and it's cuck yeah it's yes. it's, yeah it's sometimes so cuck it's yeah. exactly that it's exactly that and i think it's so shameful for us to admit that there's so many yes 10 years ago nobody would have said that and there yeah. there is a faction of us finally who are speaking out and i still make un- people uncomfortable with the things that i say and i experience the same sadness with the in- infanticide and the um child murders that were brought to light in the last couple of months still yeah. the comments and a lot of look a lot of them from men she should have known better she should no 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 what about the poor dad no 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 a lot of women having a lot of no women. empathy and a lot of mothers yeah. and, and like I the just, lady now those those guys that family that immigrated mm. and she, i i don't know if she murdered the three children i know everything's still under investigation but if she did it's not i'm not saying murder sign nothing is fine that's bad in us children yes but I, yes. you can have empathy without agreeing with somebody exactly i i can imagine i can't imagine taking my kids now going to a new country starting all over with none of my support system i don't know what will happen to my mind so i empathize with her i she should fully go to jail if she if she murdered her children but as she you say she's already in jail she's already there but can you imagine waking up from that psychosis because i don't think mm. people who are not under psychosis don't kill their children in my opinion i'm not a doctor But yeah, no. no I mean, it's your frame of mind. It is. It's your state it's your of mind. mind. It, it's it's the state of mind that you're in, and it, it could be temporary. It could be permanent. But it is not. The, your state of mind is not in a healthy place. Absolutely. And when you wake up from that, because we do have moments of clarity, that must be how. Mm. I don't. I don't see because I know just, my husband forgave her. That was the last thing yes. I read about it. And you know and what? Just judging him. 
just think about when you snap at your kids or, or I, I certainly do. I snap or I yell yeah. or I cuss words here around the house. Immediately after, I feel Guilt. so shit because I scared them and they don't know what I'm feeling and they just look at me as this crazy person and they're like, shit, I did this to my mom, the guilt that they, all of those things rush through my mind. And then yes. afterwards, when we have a bit of a post-mortem about the happenings and mommy's overreaction and whatever, the guilt you feel, it's just that in that moment, it's like a pressure cooker that explodes. Mm, and I'm I'm not trying to equate my minor wobble to <laughs> yeah. anything that a, a, a person in that position could be going through. But what I will say is, I cannot judge. Mm-hmm. I cannot. I, I cannot bring. Judge. I cannot bring myself to judge and feel anything but empathy and deep, deep, deep heartache and sadness for what you must be going through. Yeah. But it's again on that scale of abuse with the same thing with mothers losing their ever-loving minds. We joke about it, and I think we all use humor. Certainly, the three of us use humor, maybe not to deflect, but to cushion the blow. Yeah. Of reality makes it it a lot easier, and that's why we laugh through motherhood. We we talk about the ups and downs of our current upside down, and I think it would make for a really morbid podcast if we didn't laugh at ourselves, right? But in accepting, Charlene, you called it a minor wobble. No, in accepting that quote unquote minor wobble as a very real thing that if you don't keep it in check, and I don't mean check yourself, you know, sort your shit out, da da da. I mean, just recognize it for what it is. And, I, you know, I don't have the answers, but um, yeah. if, yeah, you, if you need that break, that- or just acknowledge it for what it is. It's, it wasn't a mm. minor wobble because I think many of those wobbles go unchecked um, mm. among a lot of women and it leads to bigger things. It grows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shana, going back to your book, I mean, there's a lot. People have spoken very much about, you know, your domestic abuse situation and your relationships. And we, I think Charlene and I, or certainly myself, we latched onto your journey as a woman and your journey in motherhood. You, Another thing that really touched my heart, another quote was you say, I'd never relaxed, not as a mom, not in my whole life. You were in the in the waiting room looking at all these other pregnant women with their partners and realized that they had... I don't know, to, to a point relented and given over a certain control to their partners and you never felt that you could. And I think it's mm-hmm. such an important observation because how many of us do feel that way for, on again, any point in the scale, you know? And I think that's the power of Ochat for me is your, your rawness and then also how it comes across um, in in how you've been speaking now, your absolute empathy because of, of what you've been through. You're like, okay, well, as you say, Charlene, how can I judge? You say that all the time. You very are cognizant of your your situation and realize, okay, it's not like I feel like a lot of people who have gotten through a memoir, certainly in the past, and this might be a judgment in and of itself, is that they write. Um, and come out the other side. Yes, like and, this is my epiphany. And they can be like, oh, my... shame. I sympathize with you because I was there. But once you hand it all over to the Lord or once you've once you've made it through this batch of side, therapy, yes. you'll be where I am. And I have, and I am great I now. I have so <laughs> much respect for you for going, this is my <laughs> – 
I've a lot of respect for you for saying this is my origin story and I'm by no means perfect. And often in your when you post on your blog, just a hoe with babies, uh, you post and you're like, I'm not making any judgment call, but let's open this discussion. There is yes. so much power in that and I wish other people could could be that way. So bravo. I hope I have the right soundbite here. <laughs> could have gone either way. <laughs> I just don't, I don't like judging people. Sorry, I'll be quick, but I don't like judging people because so many times in my life I've done that and then the exact same thing has happened to me mm-hmm. and yes. then I'm screwed. <laughs> so yes. The world has taught me that, you know, I'm no better than any other person. You can, honestly, tomorrow you can be thrown whatever curveball you judge someone with. And mm. it's difficult. Life is difficult. Life is messy and hard and people just do their best. Most of us just do our best with what we have and not everybody has the amount of stuff I have. Some have more, some have less, you know. So judging people, I just I've been I've been humbled deeply by mm. karma and the world. <laughs> and I know that I know nothing. It sounds cliche, but I, I find out quite often that I know nothing about something. Mm. You know what I think, Shana? And often when I read your stuff also, I think about how you phrase your your posts or your comments, even on social media. I I find it so educational and enlightening because it opens my mind to new things and new discussions. But it's also made me realize that just because we don't understand something doesn't mean we have to have a a finite opinion about it. No, 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 this is wrong. Oh, no, no, that's right. Because it doesn't have to be right or wrong or black or white or green or pink. It, It can just be something that exists in the world and we can just maybe I get that meme of Michael Jackson in in Thriller eating the popcorn. Like I I'd rather be the eating the popcorn person and be like shit. This interests me because yeah. I don't actually know what the fuck this is about. But because my because I can't wrap my head around it. Um, but I mean I'll I'll be here for the for the education of it of the topic. You know you particularly when you you posted about the looting. Um, that went down a couple of months mm. ago. I, I'm always so enlightened by your approach. And it certainly has given me perspective on, on things that happen in the world because our human default is to, no, 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 that's not right. I, I'm not going to stand for this or that's bullshit or whatever. You know, I, I don't know why people are forced to have an, a, such a strong opinion about things so easily. Uh, people are angry with me for that, don't and I didn't even no. say anything. You didn't say anything. <laughs> you said nothing. You said nobody nothing. knows what you thought. <laughs> you literally said nothing. You just you just kept I just it mentioned neutral. It. Yes. Just, and you kept it neutral. And I was like, now there's a take. There's a take on things, you know. <laughs> so speaking about people being angry with you, what was the uptake of your book? Um, it's certainly extremely popular. If if I'd be surprised if it's not still on the exclusive books bestseller list. It's done really well, I think, among the larger community. But what about uh, close friends and family members who know, who were part of the situations that you wrote about? And then Sydney, your mom. Your mom. And Sydney, Sydney re- was started reading your book the other day. And Saria so Rose will eventually read about her father. That's the, the one I'm nervous about. Mm. But uh, let me start from the beginning. The community was very accepting of my book. Um, 
mostly women who have been following my blog, but there they are people that are outside of that group that were very kind and I'm very grateful. Legitimately, I'm not just saying that. Sometimes people sound like assholes when they say they're very grateful. But like I legitimately am. It's nice to do something and people care. As an artist particularly, it's nice to do something and people care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what is, my mother hasn't read it. I don't think she's going to, but she said she supports me. Okay. <laughs> she's not going to read it. I understand that. It takes a lot of growth. Mm. Um, and everybody's growth is individual. So I, she said maybe one day before she dies. That was the reassurance she gave me. Does she know how raw and real you get? Did you like disclose anything to her prior? I did. Or? I did. I told her it's about my old vagina. Like and about her. Like there's there's no secrets. Mm. And I said I'm I'm honest about the what you were like when I was a child. And then she said I made it all up in my mind. And I said yes, absolutely, that's fine. Cool. No, yeah, so, cool. <laughs> you know. So she's like, but ever just write what you want. Um, my sister also hasn't read it. I think they need to get there. Yeah. When it comes to my my extended family, so there's one there's one. Um, I said this in the launch, but there's the part about Auntie Brenda where my family was not particularly happy with me, my father's side of the family, where I was quite honest about the things I saw and, and, yes, you know, experienced. She contacted me and told me I had no right to speak of her. Okay. I apologize. No, it's like I'm very open about it. I apologize, though, but I, I did mention. She gave afterwards. She told me she loves the book. She was just, you know, I understood that sometimes, even though you think someone's traumas about you, it's not. I wish that I had. I had first signed it off and told her that I was going to bring up this particular memory but these were all relevant things you know that did happen these this is how I saw it as a child these shaped me it sort of it made me think certain things that put me in certain situations and made me Mm. act a certain way Mm. my father's family is no longer speaking to me which is chilled we weren't close but um, it's strange. The people closer to you are not as supportive. But I understand that. But what I did also say to them was, I told the truth. So my my close my my immediate family was not um, too impressed with me. My mother's family was was fine. But a lot of it, even since my blog, I've been speaking about these things. There's nothing new in in what mm. I'm, in the type of content you know that's in the book versus what I was writing about. But people just have to. I can't please everybody, and I wanted to tell the truth. If I didn't tell the truth. It wouldn't help anyone. I knew that I would be, I knew that I would be the bad guy. Some people also gave me bad reviews, some people I don't know, which might be love a little. People are fully entitled to hate or love things that I do. But like one person said, like, too much violence, one store. And I was just like, ma'am. <laughs> like, is that, is that your is review kind of, of this the is book kind or of life? Why I'm writing yeah. This is kind of yeah. why I'm writing this, this book, you know? <laughs> because like, there's too much violence in my life. I, I agree with you. There is too much <laughs> violence. If I can I give my origin <laughs> one star as well. Origin one yes. star. Honestly, <laughs> this is bullshit. Like that. <laughs> and then another person was like, also, this book is terrible. I don't get the hype. And I was like, I respect you, ma'am. You know, <laughs> sometimes but like it is what it is generally though people have been kind people have been very kind and I like that I think there's a a large community of very supportive women in South Africa who are over the bullshit and they're just like let's get all of our stories out there yeah let's just tell just just say what we want and a lot of the uncles I speak of are dead anyway so who cares (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I also I find it interesting because the very thing that you speak about in the beginning of the book is that don't make a don't make a scene, just keep quiet, just go along with things. 
is the very reason that I think some people probably in your family is rejecting the book and, and the concept yeah. of it because why are you making a scene? Why are you making a fuss? Why are you talking about these things? You know, exactly. The, you made the biggest only, scene, Shana. <laughs> One yeah. of my cousins asked, why couldn't you just shut up? And I was just like, that's the point. That's the point, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Because if you I, love I, your daughters I, and nieces and your grandkids-to-be, then you don't, you yeah. can't afford to shut up. No, and just to answer the last thing, Sydney started reading it, mm. got to the point where I discovered my sexuality and then said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and closed it and he hasn't picked it up again. So you will probably one day when he's older, he was just like, gross, what's wrong with you? And then he <laughs> oh. never spoke about it again. So that's where it is now. I do think it's going to be a more difficult read for Syria because Sydney remembers a lot of um, the events. He was already four years old when I fell pregnant with Syria. And after all of these things happening. And he's told me many times that he knows, you know, Lau was a bad guy and he remembers, which is awful for me to hear, but we've worked through it. He remembers Lau hitting me. I have this memory of Sydney standing in front of me and saying, you don't hit my mommy. And me being terrified that something's going to happen to him. This was near the end mm. of, of everything, you know, where he tried to protect me. So I don't know. It's, it's what each child is going to be a journey. I don't think Scarlett would care. But, I mean, she'll probably read it one day when she's older, to know her mother, I suppose. Mm. Well, I, wow. I, I look forward to, even if it's not public, in private having that discussion <laughs> with you of how you navigate that with Saria Rose. I'll definitely friend. tell you. I'll definitely yeah. share it. I'm, I'm anxious, though. I, I, I would imagine so. I would imagine <laughs> so. But I think your honesty, if I could place judgments on your life, yeah, mm-hmm. I think your honesty yeah. in this respect will be a gift to your daughter. And it's a very difficult gift to give. Um, you mention in the book, purposefully recalling secrets is taxing. Mm. And you've yeah. you've paid your dues here. So I must applaud you, <laughs> Shana Fife, on <laughs> And an incredible book on an incredible um, recalling of your origin story, but it is Thank not, you. it's not your life's journey. So what is next for you? Honestly, I don't know, which is exciting for me. I, I don't, um, I am writing more things. I don't think I'll ever do anything memoir style again. You know, so I am a writer by profession so I'm working on some other projects um, but like I just want to honestly focus on my family I feel like I wasn't present for a lot of a lot of their lives Sydney and Syria I've, I've had to survive right a lot of the youth I mean I looked at my son yesterday and I thought how what are you 12 are you turning 12 <laughs> like it's hectic and then I get these Facebook memories and I think I remember this little boy mm. holy shit and I look up at him and he doesn't resemble him at all and he's gone. And I don't want that to keep happening because time is a funny thing. You got sort of drags and drags and you think you're stuck in it. And then you look back and 20 years have passed and you've missed everything. And it sounds very deep and dramatic and it's not supposed to. But I've experienced it with myself. No, and I'm, I... still, I'm still confused that I'm not 16 anymore. Like, what the fuck happened? Yes. 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 <laughs> We're in the full, you know, like it's a legitimate thing I sometimes sit and I think about. So what I, I mostly... What's going to happen work-wise? I don't know. I'm doing my best. But family-wise, I'm I'm purposefully sort of spending more time with my children, doing things. I always felt guilty about doing things when I was younger. My mother was very like, stay in the house. You know? No, <laughs> what, if, what if something bad happens if you venture out the front door? So like now I want to do things with them. I want to experience them. 
I want to have memories of my family mm-hmm. when I'm old and, and you know, mm-hmm. on my deathbed. So that's that's what the future holds for me. Purposeful parenting or conscious parenting. Ten- intentionality in, in yeah. the way that you navigate the season, which is so difficult, to- yeah. I have to tell you that when I read the last like little few lines and paragraph of your book where you say you well I don't let me not let me not give it away before our listeners so they can go and read it themselves I I cried and smiled at the same time it was such a beautiful ending to the book it it's because I guess you read it and you're like I need to especially me because I was like paging through this thing (laughs) binge reading it like I watched series and then I was like I can't wait to hear the outcome and then the outcome was just as like oh okay that makes sense <laughs> that makes so much sense it was really nice I love the way you ended it present day that epilogue that epilogue is epic and if if the the book doesn't have enough fruit for or, and food for thought then the epilogue certainly makes it all worth it and it did for me so thank you Shana um, for coming back and because you are such a a mind in motherhood in South Africa it will not be the last you you are a um, a fixed uh, member of TGE and I'm honored <laughs> to know you so thank I'm you I'm honored to be part of it <laughs> I was really excited to come back today we've been waiting yes. <laughs> I to chat to you guys <laughs> well thank you so much again for being on The Great Equalizer well i don't really know what more i could say to make it clear how strongly i feel about how good this book is and how i just really love talking to this woman she's just so true to herself it's like it's so refreshing to just talk to someone who is so honest about who they are I'm so grateful to uh, Shana because it's people like her that make me realize, you know, I get a lot of flack. I did an article about, we spoke about talking to your kids about sex, um, you know, early on in this episode. And I did an article on comprehensive sexuality education, which is being rolled out in South Africa. And um, I get a lot of flack, I suppose, because I always uh, go to the counter arguments of why we shouldn't be having uh, sex education in our schools, which I'd now disagree with. Um, There's a very long point that I'm making. But I mean, I'm exposed to people who think otherwise, who go, why should our kids know about these things? And it's in reading books like Ochat, and it's in chatting with people like Shana that make me go, we can't afford not to be having these conversations. Of course mm. we need to have these conversations with our kids from the beginning we need to be talking about consent. We need to be talking about uh, identifying people who are grooming our kids in any which way, whether it's a creepy uncle or whether it's an actual sexual predator who's out there to to do those things. We need to be talking to our kids about finding yourselves in an abusive relationship, whether it's at high school with your f- first boyfriend or when you enter marriage. These are the things that we have to be talking about and I stand by that and talking to people like Shana affirms that for me as a parent and helps me realize, you know, for me and my family, I'm on the right track. And no, 100%. It, it's such a confirmation of why we have 
the mindset we have specifically surrounding this topic. And even in that that Good Hope uh, FM uh, uh, interview or discussion, we touched on all of these points. It's not about talking to your child just about sex, but it is about normalizing the discussions, opening up the platform for discussion. And I mean, I'm no bloody expert. Someone of the teenagers probably poo-pooing my idea wholesale right now. But all I know... All I know is that I, I, I read Shana's book. I, I hear the things that she says growing up, what, what happened to her, what happened to her in her life today. And the fact that she also doesn't claim to have all the answers and she doesn't know how her story ends, but she just knows what she knows from her experience. And that's, that's all I can do. Mm. Um, not to digress, but I've recently listened to a season two uh, uh, of a podcast I started last year called My Only Story. It's a it's a News 24 product. And it's about a young man who was sexually predated on by his teacher and then who subsequently uh, worked in Media 24 as one of the big bosses who happened to be my boss at one point, my big boss at one point. So he's in jail now and the the um, investigation's ongoing. But the second season is about sexual predators and our children and what we should be aware of. And we should always be questioning things. Mm. So it's a worthwhile episode to listen to. And they also have a, a, a podcast to listen to. But I also I feel like what I'm trying to say is that People like Shana who speak out about their uh, their uh, survival of abuse um, and how they are trying to do things differently in their parenting journey is what really needs to, we really need to keep putting the word out about that. Because the more we normalize these discussions, the more we talk openly and freely about it, sit in the discomfort. Yes, it's uncomfortable. These discussions are uncomfortable because what are we really saying? Are we, are we really facing our truths i'm not saying everybody has to be that brutally honest but if we can be honest with ourselves and realize okay things were done a certain way when we were growing up and when our parents were growing up and when their parents were growing up how do we break the cycle mm. so and all of these podcasts and these these um these medias and the, this information that we are exposing ourselves to you and i sam is an opportunity for us to do better mm. because, like I said earlier in the episode, we now know better. Exactly. So how about we keep talking? It's not just about sex and it's not just about abuse. It's about all things parenting related, all things for us women related um, in our lifestyles, the issues big and small. How about we keep talking? 100%. You know this, guys. If you want to chat with us, if you want to weigh in on something, swear, cry, rant, laugh, please DM us a voice note on Instagram. Um, we've had a lot of listeners and followers reach out to us um, recently as a result of Sam's articles that she's been putting out and even recent episodes. We always love the interaction with you. Please keep it coming at the Great Equalizer podcast is our handle, or you can record one on your phone and hit us up over email, info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. Also, please feel free to tag us in any of your posts online or send us things. We love to see what you guys are into, what you want to chat about. Um, we have been quiet during our sabbatical online, but subscribe. Our main platform is our podcast, though we are active. And we're active. You are 
um, Charlene A82 at Charlene A82 on, on Instagram, Charlene. I'm Sam at Sam.herps. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're always available. Um, so let us know what you guys are into and what you want to chat about. 100%. Your support is super important to us. And you guys are really like a group of girlfriends and family to us. Thank you also to everybody who did personally reach out to me when um, I was ill with COVID. Those those uh, comments and little DMs, they, they mean the world to us. Even if you just like something we post about or um, every comment and every share, it really means the world to us. Thank you. And please keep them coming. Again, we are slaves to that algorithm, but we also want to see what you guys think about us and what you want more from us. So, um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook and hit the subscribe button um, so that you know when a new episode of The Great Equalizer will be out. Exactly. And if you have a friend that you feel could benefit from our ramblings, please do share. Uh, the more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the better content we can give to you. And so, Charlene, that's it for this week. Until next time. Keep your mom games strong. For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. Want something a little more personal? Email us at info at and we'll get back to you.